Eagles Entertainment. You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and it's a big game week as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 444. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell to talk about what we saw in the divisional round weekend here. The Eagles obviously getting a huge win, a dominant win, a decisive win. We don't really see playoff games like this. 38-7 to over the visiting New York Giants. We'll talk about that, what we saw on Saturday night. Then we'll fast forward to what would happen on Sunday night with the Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers obviously win the game. They will travel to Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. So Greg and I will offer a recap of the divisional round. We'll offer a preview of the the NFC title game, and we'll do all of that right here in Chalk Talk. Before we get there, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question. We'll answer it here on an upcoming episode. That all said, let's get into it. Excited now to chat with Greg. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, Greg, let's get into it now as we talk through what we saw on the film. And you know how I typically open uh, these segments. So we'll start with the Eagles offense here. Uh, Your biggest takeaway. uh, It was obviously a very impressive performance on on film, but what was your biggest takeaway? See, Fred, we've been doing this too long. Because you know what? Now I type as I finish my notes. I type biggest takeaway from this game because I knew you were going to ask me that. We finish each other's sentences too often. That's bad. That's terrible. Yes. Yeah. All right, so my biggest takeaway, among many takeaways, was the Eagles' O-line just absolutely dominated the Giants' defensive front. It was a mismatch right from the start of the game. Williams and Lawrence were non-factors in the game. I thought Jason Kelsey was phenomenal in this game, Um, not only when he went up against Dexter Lawrence, but he had that unbelievable block on on, uh, Justin Ellis. Who outweighs him by, like, what, 55, 60, 65 pounds? Yeah, I mean, that was was one where you watch and you just keep watching about 10 times. Well, it's funny. Usually when you see a block like that on film, it's usually like, oh, like, the guy got his foot stepped on or he tripped. That didn't happen on that one. Nope, that did not happen. That was a clean takedown on that play. (laughs) Yeah, that was... um, that was part of the fourth possession where they started with three consecutive Sanders runs out of 12 personnel. All three were essentially inside zone type runs. I actually thought Sanders ran really well. He but did. We can yep. get into that in a moment. But on the second run, the 12-yarder, Kelsey simply threw down the one-technique defensive tackle Ellis. And uh, Lawrence was not in the game on those first two plays. But yep. Kelsey played phenomenally. The whole O-line played really well. They just dominated the Giants up front. It almost... And this is crazy to say, given that you're talking about Dexter Lawrence, who may have been the best defensive tackle in the NFL this season. Yeah, you make that argument. Uh, Couldn't make that argument. And Leonard Williams, who's a very good player. There were times watching that tape, it felt like a preseason game. Yeah. That was my first line on the post-game show with uh, Ike Reese and Gabriella DiGiovanni, Greg, was that uh, this was a post-season, post-season game that felt like a preseason game. Yeah. Just uh, from start to finish, uh, the Eagles jump out 28-0 on this team, 21-0 early on. Uh, and that's the thing. It's like first half, that was one of my takeaways was, you know, situational football wins the day. They're 6-7 on third down in the first half. 4-4 four for four in the red zone. 
You do that, you're going to win the game. Right. And that, yep. when you look at the way that they play, it wasn't like a bunch of explosives and all day down the field. This was just a really efficient, methodical performance. The offensive line was dominant, like you said, both facets of the game, run game, pass game. Jalen Hurts was really, really strong, I thought, uh, in this football game. No matter what coverages, I, we made I a big deal about the coverages. And but all I will say things. this, no knock on Jalen Hurts. This is great coaching. There were not a lot of hard throws. Right. Yeah, that, well, that's I what mean, I was going to say. Was yeah. that the, the, <laughs> regardless, we talked a lot about yeah. the, the coverage evolution from that defense. Right. Didn't matter much no, uh, in this no. game. And they, I made the same point. The Eagles ran 43 plays in the first half. Yeah. 43. Right. Think about that for a minute. And like you said, six, six for seven on third down, four for four in red zone TD efficiency. Yep. Uh, they were incredibly efficient. Without a lot of big plays, obviously the second play of the game yep, the was a, uh, a, sh- a shot play with seven-man protection off power run action. Yep. And they got Smith matched up on the safety love. And that was a beautifully thrown ball. And... I just really, I I have such an appreciation watching Devonta Smith, which I did when he was at Alabama coming out. And in the NFL, that's just grown. He's such a smooth route runner with a great understanding of how to break down cushions and attack leverage and change leverage of, mm. of corners and safeties. Get them to turn. And he, he understands just when they turn a little bit, because that's all you need. Yep. It, it, you know, fractions are a big deal in this league. And he's just such a good route runner. Yeah, and that's the thing when you talk about just getting guys their their hips flipped to the sideline or getting them turned one way or and just then breaking to step opposite. the wrong way. That's it. And, yeah. and really, it's with the urgency with all of his motions yeah. at the top of routes. So uh, you know, we talk about like holding a fast vertical stem and you know pushing vertically. Right. You know, those are the kind of things where it's like if you just show that that suddenness vertically for. Two yards, three yards, four yards, and all of a sudden you've got you've got the move uh, that the defensive back is able to make, and now you can break wherever you want and, and work them that way. You know, um, in some ways he's just a smaller Justin Jefferson. Mm, yeah. You know, Jefferson's obviously what six two, two oh five, two ten. Right. You know, Devonta's six feet, but he's you know probably one hundred sixty five pounds. But with their stride length and the way they can set up corners and safeties and then cut. With those long legs, they're very similar. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's a good point. I think when you look at um, the the impact that Devontae can make, uh, we know the, the kind of receiver he can be at all three levels of the field. And that's the thing is that it wasn't even like it was a big day from an A.J. Brown standpoint. And you know what didn't he can do to on the opposite side. It didn't need to be. It didn't need to be. Uh, you know, it, it's just a, it's what makes this offense so fun. Uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, a big factor yep. in this game. I love the design um, You know, on the uh, the touchdown drive to end the the, oh. the, the, uh, the touchdown on the opening drive. Uh, third down in the red yep. zone, situational football at its finest. Uh, they go empty set. They get the man indicator. They run the man beater. They had a zone beater on the opposite side. So depending on how the defense reacted and to that motion, man. they kind of gained well. They played yeah. man. So they, they worked the, uh, the little rubber out. Zach Paschal did an outstanding job of not drawing an offensive PI. And uh, Dallas Goddard, one-handed catch, makes one guy miss uh, in the open field and falls into the end zone. Just outstanding work no, across the board. No, it's it just... It was an odd game because, you know, obviously I watched it live on television. Sure. But then watching the tape, it just, I came away feeling like, wow, this this did not really have the feel of an intense playoff game. You know, the and again, I think we have to talk about what a good job the Eagles coaching staff does, particularly in the passing game. Yeah. They get receivers open. They do. You know, and, and you can always say, look, if you're a defensive coach, they'll say it's bad defense. But the Eagles get receivers open. I mean... How about the Goddard 23-yarder to start the second, third quarter possession? I mean, that was another pitch-and-catch completion. Yep. He's wide open. The play action. It was yeah. off pistol, right? Yep. It was a, yep. a little over-and-back route. He looks like he's going to run the over uh, and then pirouettes and breaks back yep. towards the sideline. We've seen him run that route a number of times, but you've got to respect the over-route uh, from Dallas as well because we've seen them hit that time and time again. Um, to me, the, the other big thing we saw a lot of, it was and look, the run game, 
I was a little taken aback. It was post game. I'm like, oh, you know, they had a good day running the ball. Right. 268. I was like, wow, I didn't, it didn't feel like Well, that's because you gained well late in the game. Gainwell and by gained, the way, he ran really hard. Gainwell ran really hard, but you, you mentioned Miles ran I thought really Miles hard. ran really well. Patience. I thought his patience was as good as we've seen all year. Yeah. Just his understanding of letting things develop in front of him, then his vision, then he ran with physical toughness, yep. which for the most part he's done all season long. Yeah. He ran with a lot of confidence. Yeah, I, I agree. Team. I um, agree. You know, you could see on the, the play where Kelsey pancaked the nose tackle, the way that he did, he saw and went. Yes. Uh, you know, after that. So although the crease was there. But he was went. waiting to see how it all played exactly. out. Exactly. And then yeah. there were others where he was he was pressing the, the pressing the hole well, got the defender yep. to bite in, and then burst outside. <coughs> yep. And some of them went for 7-8. You know, that, and that's fine. But that's, he's done that good, all year. Run. I can yeah. remember, and this goes back to when did they play Jacksonville? Was that week was three? Week four or week three, week four? yeah. Right. I remember four, he had yeah. a 28, 30-yard run against Jacksonville where he did a really good job pressing the hole with yep. patience, getting a Lua Kuhn to kind of step inside. I don't know if you remember this run. Yeah, sure. You yep. know, he's done this all year. Yeah. Uh, one thing that stood out to me in thir- on third down in particular, a number of uh, tackle overplays in the run game um, where you had Lane Johnson yeah, over on yeah. the left side yeah. next to Jordan Mailata. They did that on the the fake quarterback sneak that went to Gainwell. A couple other run plays yeah, that yeah. went that way. So that's something to watch for, yeah. uh, see if they do that. But that, it felt like third down run game. That was a, a consistent theme. And again, just kind of talking about this coaching staff coming off the bye week, the extra week of rest, you know, having some wrinkles uh, to kind of throw at opponents. That's been a, a consistent theme, not just last year, but uh, this year as well. You know, what they did in that Pittsburgh game certainly here right uh, we'll see what they've got for uh, for san francisco uh this week one last thing that, that really stood out to me greg the amount of times we we noted while watching some of the big plays on offense was oh man look at that block from zach pascal look at this block from oh. dallas goddard look at this block from aj brown Devonte smith miles sanders on the jalen hurts touchdown run all of those guys chipping in uh as blockers at the point of right. attack and doing really great work it, it showed up time and time again yep. in this game no this was this was a really good offensive performance all right, let's go to the other side. Uh, I actually had more fun watching the defense in this game. Um, so much variety on third down. You know, that's the first place I'll go is what are they doing on third down? What was the identity on third down? And you couldn't put your finger on it because uh, depending on what, which uh, series it was, it was third down. All right, we're going to get cover one, and they're going to play man free. All right, next one, they're going to play basic cover three where they're going to rotate from a two-high shell to a one-high. Then you're going to get cover four. Up oh, here's a cover zero blitz. Up oh, here's a fire zone pressure. Like They just mixed things up on third down so, so well. Uh, really kept the Giants on their toes from that standpoint. Yeah, it's funny you say that because my last point was Eagles' defensive game plan was aggressive with a good percentage of both pressure and man coverage. They were multiple with their front and coverage looks pre-snap. Yep. And I thought they asked a lot of Epps and Blankenship in, the, in their man mm. coverage schemes, and I thought they handled it really well. Yeah, against this opponent, I feel like yeah. they, they felt like, hey, you know what, that's something we can do. We can do, uh, yeah. And, and get yep. away with, and um, the, it's something that worked in their favor uh, in this game. And, and you mentioned some of the pressure looks. I mean, they ran the sim pressure that got C.J. Gardner-Johnson home. Uh, it was a free run right at Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones thinks, oh, I'm, I'm going to throw it into the void. He came from the slot. I'm going to throw it to the slot. And James Bradbury was sitting there and, and stepped right in front of the interception. A well-designed sim pressure there. You get the overload pressure on third and five that ended up being a throw in front of Bradbury um, and Bradbury came down and, and knocked the ball loose and got the stop on third down so you know it just time and time again they did a great job of dialing up um, some different kind of pressures uh, some different pressure looks and then fell out of that so Josh Sweat on third down getting that free run on the empty side right right uh, you know all those different looks to, to really kind of keep them guessing if you're on the offensive side, you say we screwed up. Yeah. But yeah, no. But I, you know, I thought they established early on that they were going to be aggressive with coverage. I think they played four snaps of cover one on the Giants' first possession, yep. which is not something we normally see them do. But I think they established that, you know what, we can line up and we can be aggressive. Yep. We can play man, we can pressure. Um, 
You know, it's funny. You called sim pressure, which I know a lot of coaches do. I called zone exchange sure. pressure yep. because it's, it ends up being a four-man rush. It's a four-man rush, right? Yep. Right. Uh, but um, uh, you know, they it was a strong defensive performance without question. Yeah, um, they did a great job against the run. Uh, yep. You had that long Saquon run. There was a misfit no, on third that was and the one. Only, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, it was just under three yards of carry. Uh, they kept Dan, Daniel Jones was a non-factor with the run game. I mean, they. They locked this defense, this offense no. down. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, I think Blankenship played really well. He did. He, he had a, he had a PBU in the middle of the field, but a number of really impressive. And this was not just Blankenship, but across the board, like some of these sacks where you see Blankenship, Bradbury, Gardner Johnson, uh, Epps, T.J. Edwards again, Kaiser White. Those guys at the second and third level passing off and exchanging routes and zone coverage, <laughs> yep. cover four, cover three, uh, passing off, overlapping for each other. Uh, Outstanding. They had five sacks in the day. I want to say like three or four of them were due to where you would say that that's a covered sack. They did an outstanding job in the back yeah, end. Yeah, but to me, Blankenship, you know, his play recognition is really, really good. good. It's a strength I of his mean, game. He processes quickly. He's a decisive reactor because of it. Yeah. Yep. So you know, I, I just. I really enjoy watching him play. Yeah, uh, I thought he had a, a good performance. Uh, just going back up to the front, too, Hassan Reddick, one and a half sacks uh, on the day. They came on consecutive snaps there, the opening drive. Um, he really last... didn't have the first one, but... Yeah, get, it was, that I, was more I, sweat. Right, right. He did force the step up. He, was, right. he, had, he had the fly-by rush, and Jones had to step up, and that's what made him trip over right. uh, the right, left tackle's right, foot. Right, so right. Uh, you give him, give him the assist there right, right. Uh, on that one. But um, the uh, some of the fast wins on some stunts. They ran yeah. a, a bunch of stunts oh, uh, in this game. No, They've been running more and more stunts. We've yeah. been talking about that over the last number of weeks. What I love about it, and, though, and again, Reddick had another sack on a, on a long stunt. Three man one. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's the thing is that like the um, the volume is still is low, right? They right. run the least amount of stunts in the league. I just feel like they they time them up so so well to the point where hey, you know what? Uh, that that fourth down, it's fourth and eight, opening drive. Right. Uh, we have a sense that it's going to be they're going to they're going to chip both ends here, right? So they keep Bellinger in to block uh, to chip on Josh Sweat. They keep Saquon in to chip on on Reddick. Well, they run the stunt opposite. So Reddick runs away from the, the chip block from Barkley. Barkley's blocking nobody, and uh, Reddick gets one-on-one with the center, and you get the one-on-one, and he gets Yeah, home. and actually, Feliciano didn't do a bad job recognizing the stunt, but but he was off balance, yeah. and Reddick just ran through ran him. Ran right through him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's been a consistent theme. I know yeah. Josh Sweat has had like three or four sacks that way this year where you know the, the running back is, go, is hoping to chip him. And typically, the running back, he's typically working to the man side of the protection, so you're often, often going to see that. But then you know that might change the type of right. stunt the stunt right. you run, right? So uh, instead of it being an ET, you might have the tackle go in first and the end loop around to run away from that chip help, and, th- and they've done that so, so well uh, over the course of this season. It's been a consistent theme for them um, over the course of the year. So, yeah, defense, uh, outstanding. I don't know. If it was, it was to... just a dominant performance yeah. all around. All right, well, let's, let's dive into this one uh, here this week. Um, Eagles 49ers. It's going to be a big matchup two, here. One, two one two best two teams seed. in the NFC, clearly. Yeah. Uh, overall thoughts just going into the matchup. I guess we'll start um, the Eagles offense going up at this 49ers defense. Uh, well, we'll talk 49ers defense. We, you know, obviously we talk Eagles offense every week and we, yep. you know, but um, 49ers defense is a really interesting defense to me because overall you wouldn't say that they're highly schemed overall. We'll get into some yeah, we'll nuance. Get into their, their, yeah, sure. But for the most part, you'd say they're much more of an execution style defense than a highly schemed defense. Mm. You know, they rely predominantly on a four-man D-line rush. Yep. They play more zone than man. Now, having said that, when it gets to third down, they do a lot more things. And 
They will also blitz at times. Now, their their man coverage percentage goes up dramatically on third down. Yep. Their blitz percentage goes up dramatically on third down. Now, there's also other downs, other times in the game, Fran, that they will blitz and they will play man. But for the most part, that has been their MO this season. Yep, they're, they're middle of the pack right now in, in blitz percentage over yep. the course of the regular season. Uh, 22%, a little bit lower than what the but Eagles have done. on third down, it goes above 30. Yep, and then when you look at their stunt percentage, they're second to only the Cowboys. The Cowboys stunt like 50% of the time well, uh the the uh the 49ers a third of the time and where and where they the large majority of their stunts come from is third down when they line up in what we call loaded fronts yep. which they do a lot on third down and what that means is you have three defensive linemen to one side of the center and then you have the other defensive end who's a wide nine opposite the loaded front yep now when you have three to one side almost always you're going to get some kind of stunt and what they often do to help with the stunt and make it more effective is walk Fred Warner up on the line of scrimmage so he's right in front of the guard opposite the load because if with all those stunts that come from the loaded front, offenses want that backside guard, for want of a better term, to be able to help out. Yep. So they want Warner to occupy him. Sometimes Warner rushes, making it a five-man rush, and he may be part of the stunt. Yep. Other times he might just occupy and then drop out to waste that offensive guard. Yep. You know, and other times he'll drop out immediately and, and get into coverage, depending on what the coverage call is. And from a, a Jimmy's and Joe's standpoint, the other aspect of that with those loaded fronts is that the guy that's the opposite of the loaded front. More often than not, not 100%. Not 100%, but typically it's going to be Nick Bosa. And so you have to, right. have to kind of pick your poison as an offense and say, all right, are we going to slide... Oh, to the to the loaded front side to make sure that that guard can help if right, they're going right, to run right. stunts? Or are we going to leave our tackle isolated one-on-one with Nick Bosa, who led the league in sacks? We've year? also seen Bosa be the end to the load side with long stunts yes. that work really effectively because Warner has eaten up that backside guard. And then when Bosa stunts into the A-gap, essentially, yep. there's no one there. Yep. And he gets he's gotten sacks that way. Yeah, and like you said, that's where you'll see the majority of their man coverage will be on third, on third down. down. Um, but they, do, they mix things up really well yep. for from a coverage standpoint on third down. You'll see plenty of cover two, plenty of cover three, plenty of cover four. And there's disguise and late rotation. Really, And that's really where yeah. they, they win. Yeah. They, they have that ability to really f- to confuse a quarterback, allow that rush to get home. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and, and they look, they have, in my view, first of all, in my view, Fred Warner's the best linebacker in the game. Yes. But their, their nickel linebacker duo with Warner and Greenlaw, you could make an argument that's the best nickel linebacking duo in the game. Yeah. Dre Greenlaw is a really good player. A really good player in his own right, no doubt. Right. And so, you know, Warner, what he does in all elements of the game, we just spoke about the fact that he can be part of the rush, but he is phenomenal in coverage. You know, you remember him coming out of BYU. He was based, he played over the slot a lot at BYU. He was a pass defender a lot in college. And the depth he gets in his zone drops with his 6'3 length, I'm not sure there's a better pass coverage linebacker in the NFL than Fred Warner. You know, there's snaps this week uh, of James Bradbury mirroring routes to the second level. There was that dig route that was uh, it was one of the uh, one of the sacks, um, you know, in this game where you see him you kind of mirror the dig route. And you you expect that guy that's an all-pro corner, right? This guy has been a, a good corner for a long time. Long time. Those are plays that Fred Warner makes in coverage. It's, Without question. He is he is so good playing in reverse and has such a good feel. Like like you said, gets great depth, gets great width, but his feel for route concepts and understanding, hey, you know what? This is what the offense I'm is going to so do. I'm so glad you said that because so I that. can remember – Throughout the course of the season, because I watch the Niners every single week, 
where he recognizes Dagger. Okay, so he yeah, drops back. Yeah, yeah. And also, where he drops back and his eyes, he recognizes it early and his eyes go right to the dig. They go yep. right to the dig. Yep. He knows it's coming. This is what you're doing? I'm going I'm going there. Yeah. Right, right. He doesn't just drop and stand there, you know, in a landmark. He recognizes routes. And how about the play he made this week? It probably could have been caught by C.D. Yep. Lamb. Yep. But when he was on the line of scrimmage and then ran the seam, yep. I mean, not a lot of linebackers can do that. No. Um, you know, going back and watching all of their interceptions this year, just kind of get a sense, all right, right. Where, how are they making their plays in coverage? A lot of their co- their best plays in coverage, <laughs> a lot of their picks, I would put on the, I would say, like, the quarterback was pressured and there was, there was a tip throw, right. it was an errant throw, an overthrow, because the pocket can find. The best coverage plays, like, where it was an interception and it was like, oh, man, like, that was a great play in coverage. It was Warner. It was Warner. Two yeah, of, the, two yeah, of them, the, two yeah. the plays he made, I was like, man, that's a great play in coverage. Yeah. And that was Fred Warner. Um, yeah, I think when you look at him, you would say that he's one of the best pure coverage players, regardless of position in the league. Uh, and that shows up time. That's the reason why they're one of the best in defending the middle of the field. And that leads me to, you know, you asked me about the matchup. My sense is they defend between the hashes really well. Uh, they do. They are uh, second best completion percentage attacking the middle of third. Yeah, so, so that matches up. You know, I'm thinking. Look, over the last month or so, they've made Ward, uh, the the corner number Traverius seven, Traverius Ward. Yep. Ward. Very often, he's been their matchup corner. He didn't yep. do that this week because the best receiver for the Cowboys is C.D. Lamb, who lines up more than 50% of the time in the slot. So he didn't follow Lamb around. Yep. He's six one one ninety six. He's know. got some size to him. Yeah. <laughs> He's been their matchup corner the last number of weeks. So they match him up on AJ. That's the question. Yep. But I think, and Lenore has played very well, by the way. Yep. Diamond uh, De- 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 uh, yeah. who, who stepped in for Emmanuel Mosley, right? Correct. Mosley got hurt. Yeah. Uh, Lenore's a second-year guy. He was a fifth-rounder out of Oregon, Oregon. last year. He's yeah. a smaller one, but he's he's not he's small, but he's not skinny. He's two hundred no. pounds. He's he's five ten, two hundred. But it leads me to the fact that I you know I think that the Eagles in this game could well attack outside the numbers with mm. Smith and with AJ Brown. Yeah. Because you start working inside. They're really tough to throw inside. We talked about the disguise, the late rotation, how they show one thing and it could be another. You know, those are tough throws. Um, and I think that you'll see the Eagles try to work outside the numbers. They even take some shots. Look, that was that became a pretty significant part of their offense as the year progressed, yeah. taking those vertical shots outside the numbers. And honestly, watching their explosive play tape, watching how many explosive plays the, the 49ers have given up, and they, they haven't given up a ton, no. but the ones they've given up have been those kinds of right. like design right. shot plays outside the numbers, uh, those contested type Look, throws. we did see, and, and I thought Ward actually did play well in the, in the first playoff game against Seattle, but we did see Metcalf get on top of him outside yep. the numbers for, yeah. for a 50-yard touchdown. Yep. Uh, no, I think that those kind of plays will be available as long as you can protect. I think that is the uh, the number one thing is against this defense, you've got to protect Jalen Hurts against Nick Bosa. Uh, and they've got a bunch of other guys up front. Uh, they, right. They, oh, they, no. They, they I'll tell you who I think is a really good player for them, and he plays both D and D tackle, and he's that's Charles Amenahu. Amenahu. Yeah. He's had a really good season. Yeah, he's only got two starts. He's their first guy off the bench, and he is an impact player he, for them. He, in a sense— Replaced Arden Key, right? Yes, and he's become a really good player this year. Yeah, he's uh, six six, six foot five, two hundred and eighty pounds. Um, like you said, seventy five percent of his snaps are pass rush. Yeah, uh, they, they bring him off the bench yep. uh, and line him up inside, outside. He'll crash, and he'll also he's got the ability to go right through you. He and, looks the part. Yeah, he's uh, he's Texas, right? Texas. Yeah, yeah. yeah coming I out. Remember doing him coming he out. He was in Houston. Houston, they traded him for like a sixth round pick last year. It was I was very surprised by that. Yeah, um, yeah. That was that was a tough move uh, for yeah. the Texans, and he came in and. Uh, he's second on their team in pressures. Yep. Um, has been a really, really effective player for them. Uh, especially was especially important for them when Arik Armstead missed the majority right, of the season. Right. Uh, came back for the second See, half. See, they have a lot of length and size up front. Yeah, 
It's a, it's a good and, group. And those guys are not bad athletes. That's no. the thing. It's not like they're just big guys. Yes. So, um, you know, they have uh, Samson Ebukam, who's more of a compact speed, speed right. uh, you know, fastball rusher. Kinlaw's back. He's a big dude. Kinlaw's a, a big rusher on the inside. He's 6'5", 320. Um, but then they've got a bunch of other guys with length. I mean, Drake Jackson from USC, rookie second-round pick. He's 6'4", 273. Right. He's another guy. He's athletic and long. Um, you know, they've got guys that just give them juice off the bench, like T.Y. McGill, former Eagles. Just, who's uh, had good snaps this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kerry Hyder yeah. has, has been having good years since Kevin like, Gibbons, uh, Penn State's have given them good snaps. Yeah, so they, they've got guys, and they, you know, even uh, Jordan Willis, a former third-round pick of the Bengals, Another guy who comes who's off, plays off the edge. Yeah, they've got size, length, yes. and athleticism. It's it's honestly, it's like what we had the conversation about, like the Jacksonville front uh, a few weeks you know, right, back right, in week right. four. It's like, you know, it's a bunch <coughs> yeah. of light-bodied guys, and they come out you with a four-man rush, a bunch of loaded fronts, and you, you got to prepare for that. And you know who's played really well for them this year? And I think it was a late signing, but he's been in the league a long time as a good player as the safety uh, Tayshawn Gibson. Yeah. He's been a really nice addition for them because yeah. they needed a safety. Yeah. I mean, well, let me ask you about this kid because uh, second year, first year starting, uh, Talanoa Hufanga, uh, all pro this year. Uh, yeah. And this kid... Coming out of USC, I know I know you studied him. Uh, I studied him as well. A playmaker for the Trojans, but medical was a big, a big right. deal for him, and, that, and that's why he fell to the third day of the draft. <coughs> right. um, and he's come in, and he's been excellent for he's them. Been, he has a great feel for attacking downhill. I'll tell you what. Both his in the run game, so it's great. And and. As a blitzer. Yes, he is an excellent blitzer. Yeah, yes. uh, so that, that's a guy you absolutely have to be worried about. And then even the way that he disguises his coverage as Without well question. is really, really good. He's uh, better in coverage than I thought he would be when I did too. his tape. That was my question. Outside yes. of the medical, I didn't know yeah. where he would be. What he, yeah. he was always around the ball, but I worry, like, hey, if you get him isolated, that was going to be a concern well, for me. Well, the bottom line is when they play cover one, Gibson is the tight end matchup, so he is their post safety in yep. cover one. Yep. And they, he's not really been burned. No, he's not. Uh, no. And so that, and that's a guy to, to obviously watch the, the slot corner as well, Jimmy Ward. Who's a, a really safety. good player, by the way. He's really physical. Yeah. I mean, the guy's played, he's been a starter for a long time. He's yeah. been a, almost a decade now in the and, league. And he's an occasional blitzer as well. Yeah, so that's a, that's a guy to contend yeah. with. Yep. And he's a bigger slot corner. I mean, he's, yep. uh, well, he's <coughs> but he has corner skills. But he's got corner skills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been playing safety for a long time, and this year, now the full-time nickel. So, um, no, I, I when you look at this group, there's a re, they're the only defense with three all pro, or with all pros at all three levels. Yep. Um, they've they've got a lot of guys on that side. We talked about it from a schematic standpoint. Uh, they mix up their coverages as well as anybody. Uh, it's a majority cover three, but they go cover one, they go cover four, they, they go play cover split two. safety as well. Yeah, and there yeah. are there are certain games where I think you made this point to me, right? Where I did. The, the the profile is one thing, and the next week they rip it up. They're and throw very it out the opponent window. specific. Yeah, and you know. I'm not smart enough, and I'm being honest, to know what they're going to do against the Eagles. Yep. You obviously have the Jalen Hurts factor, yeah. which is a big factor, his ability to run. Yep. Um, so, you know, logically one might say, oh, they're going to play uh, man uh, zone, excuse me. Yeah. But you just don't know that because you have someone like Fred Warner who can run down anybody. Yeah, one aspect of this is that their run defense by every metric is Ridiculous. Yes. Uh, I believe that, and uh, Ben Fennel was looking this up earlier. I think they've given up 23 explosive runs on the course of the season. That's the second best in the next gen stats era. That's like uh, 2015 on or something like that. Uh, The the Minnesota Vikings in 17 were the only team that was better. They had 20. Um, Look at yards after contact, yards before contact, yards per attempt. They are number one, number two, number three in every single Well, they look fast on film and they get a lot of people to the football. And they're great tacklers. Yes. Uh, Yes. Third least amount, third least. uh, 
uh, amount of missed tackles right. in the NFL this year. Um, so it's it's a good group. It's a, it's a good group, and it'll, it'll paint the picture um, for a big time matchup here uh, in this football game. We'll dive into it a little bit further uh, later this week on the show as well. Let's now go over to the other side. Yep. Uh, we talk about this 49ers offense, and obviously the, the big topic right now uh, is Brock Purdy, uh, the, the Mr. Irrelevant, uh, the, uh, the se- rookie seventh-round pick out of Iowa State. I guess let's talk about him in a vacuum first. And then we'll get a, t- talk about like how he fits into the structure of the offense, and I'm sure there will be some uh, right. some bleeding in there. But uh, your thoughts on Purdy and what you've seen from him so far? I think he's played really well um, for the most part. I think the last this past game against the Cowboys and parts of the game the week prior against Seattle, he hasn't seen things as clearly as he did before that. Yep. You know, keep in mind, and and we need to get into the whole structure of this offense yes. because he's a he's a piece of this. You know, look, he's shown tremendous poise, tremendous composure. For the most part, he's thrown with very good ball placement. Yep. He's not a big armed gun guy, but what he does give them that Jimmy Garoppolo did not is the play action boot game yep. and second reaction ability, yep. and those are two important things in today's NFL. Yep. And that's given them an enhancement to their pass game. Because we know how Kyle Shanahan likes play-action boot because it works very effectively off his run game. Um, But it's so well-schemed and a difficult offense to defend because of a couple of things that we need to address. One, the 21 personnel. Mm. Okay, They play with 21 personnel. They weren't number one in the NFL, but they're the best at it in terms of percentage. So... Throughout the regular season, about 33% of their snaps, Fran, as you know, came out of 21 personnel. And that means two backs. One of them is Kyle Juszczyk, okay? It's a fullback. But Kyle Juszczyk is not just a blocker. He can catch the football and strategically is used as a runner, as he was down in the red zone in this past game. Um, But the thing about their 21 personnel is all five eligible receivers, the two backs, the tight end, and the two wide receivers can line up anywhere in the formation. It's not your basic, oh, there's Juszczyk, he's a fullback. Or there's McCaffrey, he's an eyeback. And the run game is the foundation, as we know. It starts there, but it goes way beyond that because of their ability to line up anywhere. And then they use motion as much, maybe more than any team in the league. I know they're can in the top you, can three. I, can I give you a stat? Yeah, they're got, in the top three for here. sure. So they um, they motion 75% of the time. I believe that's second in the NFL. My, Miami might have been first. Yeah. When they go to 21 personnel, it jumps to 88%. 88% of plays out of 21 personnel. There's motion, motion involved. That it's, so when they you've got that personnel grouping of all those guys that can do all these different things, line up in different places, it's that Taysom Hill conversation we had a few right, weeks ago right, with the Saints. right, right. right multiplied by four or five, right? right. And, that, and that's the thing, is that when you have all these guys that can line up in different spots, it is such a pain from a volume standpoint as a defender. You're TJ Edwards. You're CJ Gardner-Johnson. You're Reed Blankenship. You, you line up and you say, okay, this is the personnel grouping. Okay, now what do we do? This, it's this formation. Oh, well, Debo's in the backfield. McCaffrey's in the slot. What does that mean? Now they switch. What does that mean? Oh, they motion into this. Now they're both back there. But wait, now there's a late motion. Oh, they, they bust the coverage. Now it's use check down the scene. Oh, and right? by the way, Kittle is now is the, is plus split number one yes. to the field. So, you know. And we can get the ball to IU for <clears throat> Debo on a, on a short throw on a quick and they can slant. take it to the house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a pain. It's a, no, it's a, and, it's and a I learned that with. early on from an old defensive coordinator who used to come watch tape with me named Rod Rust. When he started out coaching, and he told me this story numerous times when we were watching tape together, that when he started out as a defensive coach, because he was a defensive coach, you know, he wanted to show how much he knew. And he would go through and study painstakingly offenses, and he'd see all these motions, 
And so we tell his defense, hey, when they line up in this formation, do this. When they line up in this formation, we're going to do this. But then when they line up in this formation, they're going to do this. And then when they motion this guy, we'll do this. But when they motion that guy, we'll do this. And then he finally said to me, defenses can't play like that. No. It's too much. So what the 49ers eventually do with all their multiple formations and their motions is they force defenses, number one, to play in your base defense, yep. which would mean four defensive backs. More more big plays against base than any team in the league. Right. And it also forces defenses to basically line up in what we call a default defense. You know, whatever, whatever your check is. Whatever hey. your check is, because you're not checking to six different things. Yep. So normally you're checking to some kind of zone, you know, unless you're a heavy man team, which the Eagles are not. So they're probably going to check to a zone coverage that Kyle Shanahan and staff will, will pretty much have a good feel for. And then you give your quarterback an advantage before the snap of the ball, which is what every offensive coach wants to do. Yep. Give his quarterback as much information before the ball is snapped as possible. So that the chess match then will then become... Hey, you know what? If the if we're gonna if they're gonna put out their twenty one personnel package, and if we want to live in our base or in our penny personnel, right. where it's that five man front right. uh, with one backer, or if it's the five man with two linebackers, right. well, now the formations ha- will probably have to change a little bit. There are gonna be those refs that we've seen in the past where, hey, you know what? They're gonna be in their four two personnel, their nickel personnel, but Kaiser White's right. gonna come gonna down the line, line of scrimmage, scrimmage. to right. give you that five man front. Or right. sometimes we've seen the six man front uh, where it's again you're kind of taking some gaps away as a defense, and you know maybe. Ch- you're giving the, the offense something that they're not going to expect. That will be the chess match back and forth. It's They're a tough offense to play against for that. And then, but the players are good too. It's not that's just the problem, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, Kittle's phenomenal. Yep. You know, he might not be a high volume target the way a Kelsey is because they don't play offense quite like that. Yep. But Samuel, and, and the thing is, they got. They have Samuel, they have Ayuk, who can take any short pass and take it to the house. Yep. And obviously, McCaffrey is an explosive back. Um, you know, it's it's a, a really good combination of scheme and personnel. So uh, I loved where Ben's head was was with this. Uh, it was one of the first things he was looking at this morning. Ben Fennell was uh, doing some research into, all right, what are some of the things that Brock Purdy does that are a little bit different in the st- structure of this offense? Um, and when you look at, uh, through Next Gen Stats, you can look at all the quarterbacks that have played for Shanahan. So, you know, even just uh, up to the, this recent run of success. So right. say, since, since that 2019 Super Bowl run against the Chiefs. One big thing that stood out was that uh, on pl- he actually holds the ball uh, more than four seconds on 15% of his snaps. That more That's more than double of almost any other quarterback. Uh, that's the Jimmy G's, the C.J. Right. Beathard's, the Nick Mullins, right? Like that, that group of quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan has coached over that, the course of that stretch. When he, I took it one step further. I said, all right, well, on those plays where he holds it four-plus seconds, his completion percentage drops by like uh, from yeah. 67 to 43 percent. His passer rating drops about 30 points, and I think that it's funny. Like even on the broadcast, watching it Sunday night, um, you know, Greg Olson shared an anecdote that Kyle Shanahan had said uh, during the production meetings. He said, "You know, there was a play last week that you know basically went off script, and I'm getting ready to chew him out when he comes to the sideline, and he gives me a smirk, and you know, we laugh about it. But that's kind of, that's the mindset, right? Is that that's the ongoing joke with Kyle Shanahan is that the quarterback's the joystick for the, for the offense that he's trying to right, run. Right, right. Well, when you have a quarterback. Like a Brock Purdy. Well, that's Purdy. why I said the second reaction the, plays yeah. are they happen under Brock Purdy. But one thing he's he's been doing more of, and I think the Eagles are going to try to force him to do this, is he's been moving to his left. Mm. And 
that causes Doesn't major go well. problems. Yeah, that's and the thing. We yep. saw that this past week a few too many times, yep. and he gets himself in trouble. And I think the Eagles are going to try to push him that way with their pass rush. I think the big thing is doing that while getting him off that first read. Because right. You know, that's the thing is with this offense, he's, they scheme guys open as well as anybody. But he's been missing some guys. Right. When I say missing, not turning it loose. Right. That's happened. Not throwing it. That's yeah. happened the past two weeks where yep. plays have been there yep. to be made. He had one this week that was really glaring. Yeah. But the, even the week prior, and you know, they scored 41 points against Seattle, so everybody just assumed he played great football. Yep. But the tape tells a little bit different story. Yeah. Now, the one thing that has been a, a saving grace is he's not turned the ball over. Yep. So even though he's missed some things, he's not turning it over. If he was turning it over, they'd, be, they'd have a problem. Well, and that's the one thing that if you're the Eagles, like you want to get into those situations. Correct. And, we, and that's when, when I bring up like the, the drop in completion percentage, the drop in right. passer rating, that's where essentially like chaos ensues. Yeah, the the, the right. negative plays build up. And if you can capitalize on one or two of those plays where it's not an incompletion, it's a pick. It's not a right. uh, it's not an incompletion or a right. throwaway. It's a sack or a sack fumble. Right. That's what you're hoping tilts for. Tilts the game. Right. right? And so that, that's kind of what you're you're hoping for if you're if you're this Eagles defense. But and that's one thing we haven't really talked about yet. You gotta stop the run against this group too. That's and from twenty one personnel, from all the all the different things we talk about from a pass game standpoint, and that's something the Cowboys did really, really well in the, for the majority of this game on Sunday, is that they were able to stop the run from those twenty one personnel. But, sets. but the interesting thing is because the score was close, Kyle Shanahan will not give up on the run like yep. a lot of coaches will. So in the first half of the game, McCaffrey, Mitchell, and Samuel had nine total rushes for mm. twenty five yards. Mm. In the second half, those three had 20 total rushes for 72 yards, which does not seem like a big number because yep. it's less than four yards a rush, but they started to control the pace and tempo of the game, right. which I'm sure you noticed and watching the, the tape. And even watching on TV. They, the, by right. the time you got to the fourth quarter, you could feel that, the, that softness. You could feel the turn. Are, yes, You could exactly. feel the turn, yep. you know, and that's... Because their defense is so good, rarely are they out of games, so Kyle never has to really step away from the run game. Yep. Uh, and that's the the um, you know we talk about like the complementary aspect of the way yep. the Eagles are built is hey you know what they 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 pass early they put up points the pass rush can c- get c- cut loose and it's the same thing with this group this is a defense that led the NFL in points per game they don't let a lot of points get put up on the board those games are always close now the run game is right. always a factor and right. you're able to work that way um, you know and look this is an offense that. There's a lot to prepare for. We talked about it from an X and O standpoint. Uh, we've talked about the Debo's and the Ayukes, the Kittles, the McCaffreys. I mean, these are guys that uh, can be game breakers at any given point. And so, um, any kind of busts on the back end, which the Eagles, you know, have been good at over the course of the season, they have not had a lot of those. The communication has been excellent on the back end. You're going to need that, uh, right? In this and that's game. why you, you probably don't want to do a lot of communicating when they go in motion because you don't want to get stuck. Yep. Because all it takes is one guy to take one step the wrong way, and maybe you give up a 60-yard touchdown. Right. And that's the thing is that they, even as good as they were in this game, I, I said that earlier, is that there were a bunch of really, really good, impressive reps in zone coverage. You had that one bust where it was, I think it was Richie James on the over route that the oh, ball was overthrown. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Those, you can't, <laughs> you have, can't those. have those. No, yeah, you can't have you can't those have in have this those. game. Right. Um, and so that's something that they're going to yeah. work through. Um, this game... You know, I can't get a feel for how I think this game's going to play out. Right. I mean, I think it can play out any number of ways. You know, sometimes you just get a really strong feeling, and you, in your mind, you're, you, you know, hey, the game will do work this way. Yeah. I, I, 
This game is fascinating to me. There's so many variables to me in this game. What are your thoughts, just real quickly, on their, uh, because we haven't talked about this aspect of it, the offensive line uh, for San Fran. I know, you know, not a ton of household names. Um, obviously, Trent Williams is you know, arguably the best tackle in football. He's been banged up a little bit this year. Um, he he but, was great in his reps against Micah Parsons. Right, really strong I mean. uh, on Sunday. Um, but you, know, you look at the rest of that line, Aaron Banks, the second year He's player. He's had a really nice game. year, by the way. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you about some of these guys that people may not know as much about. Yeah, Aaron Banks is a second year player from Notre Dame second round pick I'm sure you did him coming out I did light feet big kid Um, he's had a really good season the center has been my guess is better than they thought he'd be Mm, Jake Brendel yeah Uh, because he obviously was the guy who replaced um Mac, yeah, Alex, Alex Mac, Mac. Yep. and I think he was a question mark for them going into the hey, season. You know, you're getting—he's been kind of a journeyman. He's been in the league since 2016. Yeah. They got him off waivers a couple of years ago. He's—he to me, and again, you know, I'm not studying every snap and charting every snap. Yeah, but I think he's been better than they probably hoped. When yep. you know, um, they rotated right guard with the rookie Spencer Burford and Brunskill, who's Brunskill, been there yep. for a, a number of years. He plays every position up front, right? Play, and and they, the, the play's been quality. Yep. McGlinchey, to me, is up and down in pass protection. I think he's one guy you can get it, go after. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting because Hassan Redick is normally on that side. But, of course, you have to get him into those passing situations. Sure. Right. And that's the thing is that the pure drop back pass game is not something that we typically see right. from this offense because they do a nice job of staying ahead of the sticks. Exactly. Uh, But I think McGlinchey can be be beaten. Yeah. All right. Well, it'll be a a matchup for us to watch. Of course. Redick, I mean, Redick does not have the same power as Micah Parsons. We saw Micah Parsons with McGlinchey this week catch him off balance with the hum move and get him off the ground. Um, That's not necessarily Redick's game, but I still think McGlinchey can can, uh, have some issues in in one-on-one pass pro. Philly kid coming home, uh, Mike McGlinchey as well. Uh, That's right. Ooh, where did he go? He went to... That's right, but he is a Philly kid. He went to a Penn Charter, I believe, actually. I think um, he went to... Uh, I'm pretty sure he went to Penn Charter. Okay. I'm going to double-check that while I'm talking. But yes, uh, look, it's going to be a um, it's going to be a good one. It's yeah. going to be a fun game. A lot to break down on both sides of the football. We'll continue doing that here uh, on the podcast. But Greg, really appreciate you joining us once again here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Thanks, Fran. I'm really looking forward to this game. All right, so that was Greg Cosell. We'll continue breaking this show, this game down later this week. Ben Fennell will be back. Chris McPherson will be back. We're going to have a one-on-one with Eagles pass game coordinator Kevin Petullo. That'll be later this week here uh, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Going to catch up with somebody out in San Francisco as well for Faux Focus. So stay tuned for that right here on the feed on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast.